the local sports leader. We just have to deal with it. I'm just saying this at this point. Just have to keep fighting through. You got to control what you can control. That's that. Devin Booker from the uh, Phoenix Suns after Sunday's loss in Oklahoma City, where we saw the march to the foul line by Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, Oklahoma City overcomes a deficit. They win that game. Devin Booker uh, not getting the same benefit from the uh, whistles as uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. But you hear Devin Booker and almost uh, the resignation in his voice in that soundbite. Uh, you just have to learn how to deal with it. I'm used to it by now. <laughs> it's an issue that won't go away. And again, I want to. I'll start this off. And, and Tim Ring's in for Bick today. And we, Bick and I talked about this yesterday, and we've talked about it several right. times in the last couple of weeks. I don't think this is a every call goes against the Suns kind of thing. When I look at the Suns and how they defend right now, and I had numbers to back this up too. Monty Williams has said it. They commit way too many fouls defensively. They are a team that fouls a lot. Their bench especially fouls a lot. So when you're going up against a guy like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who gets to the free throw line, that's how his game is is designed and patterned. That's going to happen. We saw it in the Milwaukee game with, with Giannis, too. The way he plays, they're going to get calls. I don't have a problem with the way the Suns are officiated defensively. I think they foul a lot. My problem is focused on that guy that we just heard from, Devin Booker, who was... Nearly as aggressive driving to the hoop as SGA was on Sunday. And you just don't see him get the calls consistently. How many times do you see a drive to the hoop finished off with a left-handed layup with obvious contact where other players seem to get a whistle anytime there's any physical contact and Devin Booker just kind of shrugs his shoulders or holds his hands out like in disbelief, where's the call that everybody else gets that I didn't get? He actually got teed up for, for yes. complaining against Milwaukee and rightfully so. Vinny, you know where we sit for the radio position. You know, we're, 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 we're top row of the lower level. So mm-hmm. we're, we're pretty far from the basket. Like that particular play that he got teed up, I could see the fall from where I was sitting. Yes. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. And then you compare the fact that, you know, Giannis goes to the free throw line 24 times. Booker went to the free throw line three times in that game, and he was getting hit. Now, listen, I. Against Drew Holiday, who, by the way, is one of the most physical defenders in the league. I am never one of those guys that say free throws have to even out. And I do understand that the Suns are, are a team that is, that is built on the mid range game, and their best low post scorer does not play an offensive game that is conducive to getting to the free throw line. DeAndre Ayton doesn't drop step. He doesn't go up and under. He takes jump hooks and he takes face up jumpers. And he fades away a lot. And he fades away. So I understand it that the other teams are going to have more free throws. But the Booker thing is really what's what's confounding. That he does not get the calls that a superstar should get when there's contact with him going to the basket. You look at the free throw count in these last four Suns losses. The Kings, 37, Suns 22. Bucks, 37, Suns 16. Thunder, 36, Suns 24. Now the Warriors, also a jump shooting team, they went to the free throw line 24 times. Suns went 22, so Mm -hmm. that was basically even. But the disparity here, and then let's take it a step further too, Vinny, if we can. The way that Giannis was playing in that game at Footprint Center, Mm -hmm. basically playing point forward or point center, whatever you want to call them. Point freak. Getting a head of steam from half court, 
and several times. Now, a couple times, yeah, several times he did get fouled, right? But a couple times he lowered his shoulder and knocked his son's defender back three feet. And Tory Craig, one instance, got called for a block because he wasn't moving. The NBA officials on their Twitter account doubled down on that call, saying it was the right call because Tory Craig didn't have his feet set, didn't have position. That is wrong. As a defender, you don't have to be set. To draw an offensive foul if the offensive player initiates contact that is above and beyond the norm. With a, a lowered shoulder and an extended off arm? You cannot. Which, by the way, he made it real convenient to make that call, by the way. I mean, Giannis comes in and lowers his shoulder and knocks Craig back like he's Hardy Brown. Look him up. I don't even know that reference. Like he's Hardy Brown, Like he's babe. Hardy Brown, babe. <laughs> Somebody in their car got that reference. I guarantee it. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I love the more, the more obscure, the better. Um, All of his photos are in black and white on Google. <laughs> he's, he, what was he known for, Sarah? Go ahead and tell the he's listeners. He bald while he played. <laughs> he played college football at the University of Tulsa and then professionally for the Niners, Washington, and the Broncos. And he was known for what? I don't know. I'm looking. <laughs> Knocking players out. years ago. The most lethal use of the shoulder ever uh, in the history. Ah, uh, yes. He was drafted he in had... 1947. <laughs> <His> <laughs> Not sti- even a joke. His style was an intent to maim. Damn. Tim, this... how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> this is from Vinny. Art Donovan said that he had this knack, this technique of slamming a shoulder into a running back's face. Ow. And that they were probably still wearing mask, the leather right? helmets, yeah? Vinny, why the other kids were at the bar. I was home watching NFL <laughs> was studying films. the 1947 what? draft. No, I love it. I love it. That That is a good Dennis Miller type because <laughs> yeah. it's obscure enough, that it, but it still makes sense. But it makes Hardy sense. Brown. Hardy Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah Giannis, Giannis is, a, is Greek for Hardy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Tory Craig lost teeth. Giannis had one foul. And the NBA... Goes to their Twitter account and says this was the right call. It's not the right call. You can't lower your shoulder. It, the, the defense. This is not. Ni- this is like ni- ni- not 1951 with the peach baskets, where Tory Craig has to be standing there stationary for three seconds yeah. to draw a charge. Yes, that dull shades in the middle there. <laughs> Good pull, Jared. You are you you are allowed to have your own space as a defender. Uh-huh. And if the offensive player initiates contact above and beyond the norm, like Giannis, so that it's it's not just about Devin Booker. I, I just the way these games are officiated. Go back to that Mavericks but that is, game. But that is the way they're officiated. That is the way they're officiated, whether it's right or wrong. That's the way they're officiated. But the Suns need more guys that play like Giannis. Okay, but 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 Jared, I'm telling you right. If DeAndre Ayton plays tomorrow, and DeAndre Ayton starts at half court and comes in and throws his shoulder, yes. Like he's Hardy Brown yes. into Anthony Davis and sends AD back to the baseline. He's going to get called for an offensive First ball. of all, I would pass out that he was being so aggressive. But <laughs> he, second of all. He is not going to get the treatment that Giannis got. And, and most no. players do that. They, it's an offensive fault. It's one of the things that is me. so frustrating about NBA officiating is that it seems like reputations are considered in split-second decisions. And Devin Booker's reputation, for whatever reason, has not afforded him that same luxury of being officiated the same way as other stars. And that's what's frustrating, and I don't know why. 
You've heard the conspiracy theories. Oh, the uh, the NBA doesn't like Robert Sarver. They're going to stick it to the Suns. Well, okay. I mean, if that's even true, that shouldn't be true anymore. It shouldn't be true anymore. But that's how pronounced this is. Is that we're we're digging for all of these reasons or origin stories on why this might happen? Because when you watch the games, it stands out. It does. Sorry if I sound like a homer. It does. And again, I'm not defending the you know SGA getting to the free throw line 18 times. He got fouled a lot. And the Suns need to get do a better job of defending without fouling. Monty Williams talked about that after the game. But Devin Booker is, I mean, he's eight years into his career. Right. He's a bona fide star on a championship contender. You're, you're not saying that the Suns' fouls when they're playing defense are bad calls. You're saying that Devin Booker's just not afforded the luxury. Yes, and it's not even. A, I'm not looking for Devin Booker to get calls that aren't there. Just call the fouls when they hit him. Devin Booker's had only seven games all season where he's had ten or more free throw attempts. But is it Gil, interestingly Gil enough, they're three and four in those games. Gil, but is it is it a chicken in the egg kind of a deal where Devin Booker feels like he doesn't get the call, so he complains a lot more. But he complains a lot more, so he doesn't get the calls. I don't know because he. I mean, yes, he complains, and it, it but Luka, bothers people. Luca complains, there, and he, nobody complains close to it as much as Luca does, and he gets the calls. Yes. there were some replays in that that Sunday uh, uh, Mavs Suns showdown where Doncic would just spin. I, I'm not sure anybody even touched him, and he was getting to yeah. the free throw line. I got the solution for Devin Booker: stop working out, eat like a giant stack of pancakes three times a day. And just lumber into people, and there you go. And lower tried, your shoulder. I've tried that. It's not a, <laughs> By the way, not a good list, though. Real so. quick, I know we got to hit the break. How, how many times did Kildas Alexander push off with his left arm? Yes. Yeah, that's an easy one. He did it all the time. That's an easy one. When you see that arm extended, right. it's automatically a call. You George is it. getting frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field for one night only, December 8th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets right now just by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, a lot of uh, re- uh, results still from uh, and effects from the NFL PA survey that came out. Are we starting to see some of those effects in Arizona? We'll get into that and more with the Cardinals next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim Ring in for Big Today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, there was a lot of noise out there. There, there tends to be a lot of it was inaccurate. I think a lot of people came in and uh, uh, liked our facility. In fact, Jonathan and the Eagles got a chance to to be here last week and use the facilities. That's Michael Bidwell from last month talking about the facility issue that came to a light in the NFLPA uh, survey that went out to over three thousand players, the thirteen hundred players, I think it was. I'm sorry. Can I, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, that was a soundbite. That was a reaction to the AQ Shipley uh, takedown. Oh, that's right. On that, Pat McAfee. That was even before the survey came out. Thank you. That was yes. Be- so that was before the survey came out, which makes that comment by Mike look even. Worse. I had forgotten the AQ Shipley um, yes. comments on the Pat McAfee show, and he actually. Followed up on those comments he did. on the Wolf and Luke show during Super Bowl week. That was that predated the the release uh, right. of the NFLPA survey. So that was Mike talking okay. about AQ Shipley taking down their facilities, and then a short time after that, 
the grades came out. Yes. Um, and this was interesting, and you found this on Twitter, and I thought this was very interesting. Kirk Cousins, the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, on March 15th, tweeted out a picture, just a cardboard box full of footballs. It says, I asked our equipment staff for a fresh football to throw with this uh, with this offseason, and the very next day, this arrives on my doorstep. Fun to work with excellent people. If you wonder why uh, the PA ranks the Vikes at the top, it's for reasons like this. Larry Fitzgerald responded to that uh, and said, Dennis Ryan is the man. He gave me my first job. I learned a ton, and he showed the blueprint for a strong workplace integrity, watching him daily. Somebody chimed in on the thread between the Vikings and Larry Fitzgerald and Kirk Cousins and says, sorry, I have to ask this, but it begs the question, why is arguably the most important Arizona Cardinals player of the last two decades, you didn't use your voice to get the owner to improve their bottom of the league training and welfare facilities? Pretty nuanced and well-written question. Larry Fitzgerald responded to it and said the training staff... This is five days ago, by the way. Five days ago. Facilities were never an issue. At no point did it hamper our ability to prepare. Tom Reed is the best in the business. He does the job of three people. I'm not disparaging anyone anywhere, only giving up flowers to a man I respect and admire. That was five days ago. Yesterday, Kyle Odegaard, former Cardinals writer, broke the news that, uh, according to his sources, longtime head athletic trainer Tom Reed had been fired by the team. Now, again, we don't know if this was a mutual parting, what happened, but the timing is certainly a little bit interesting here, is it not? C- certainly the the speculation you know, led by, by, by Kyle himself, and, and, and you read that report, it was this a reactionary move by, by ownership because of the, let's call it what it was, it, it was an embarrassing time for the Cardinals organization when that NFLPA report came out. But I think a more embarrassing, when you break it down on how those grades were handed out and where they landed, it was a more embarrassing time for inanimate objects in the Cardinals facility as opposed to the people. The training staff got a B plus. Yes. The training room and facilities got an F minus. Which again seems just punitive to give a grade like that. Now here... Here, here's where I, I tread lightly. I can listen to what Larry Fitzgerald says about Tom Reed. Other players are off the record, have, have called the move BS. Mm-hmm. So clearly Tom Reed was extremely uh, well-liked and popular among the Cardinal players. Is Tom Reed at all responsible for the actual facilities? Was there Was there something going on that we don't know about? Because this would seem to be... A rather harsh move to blame your trainer for his working conditions unless those conditions were somehow under his purview or under Tom Reed's part of his responsibility. And Mike feels that Tom Reed let the training room and the facilities slip or didn't tell him. Yeah. I mean, that's, I just don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm well, trying to present all scenarios rather than just bury ownership because we don't know the whole we don't. story here. We don't. Couldn't it just we, be as simple as lots of coaches have been turned over since the new regime came in? Yeah, but and they're bringing in their own for people. A guy like Tom Reed, 15 years. How many coaching staffs does that does that uh, you know bleed over into? Certainly was here for Kingsbury, Steve Wilkes, Bruce Arians, and Wisenhunt. Wisenhunt. I mean, that's a long time. And other coaches have been retained over over several different regimes. Yeah, there's there's no question the optics and the timing of this seem to relate. 
to the NFLPA report. Seems to. But we don't know that for sure. We don't. But that's the optics. And when this story came out yesterday, Ken, we had Ken Summers on the show yesterday, but he even responded to the news and said, wow, he was very well regarded by the players while I covered the team. It's Larry Fitzgerald tweeted about him five days ago. You know, I mean, the kiss and, of death, and, and it wasn't that. it wasn't even asked about <laughs> Tom Reed. I mean, no, Larry, Larry volunteered. Yeah, he, he, he offered volu- up his own experience. And this is something that. I mean, if, if, if the Cardinals would make a statement like why we're making this change, but I don't think they're going well, to do that. I mean, let's rewind a second, because I don't think you've you've been on the show or you haven't done the show with me, at least since that PA report survey came out, the results of it came out. And there was a lot of reaction to it. Obviously, when you see grades like F minus, I use the word punitive. I think that's just that might be players with a vendetta against somebody or something in the organization that they wanted to get that point across. You've been in the Cardinals facilities. I've never worked out there, but I, you know I've spent a lot of time in the facilities over the, the last ten years. It's a nice facility. Is it palatial like some of these newer facilities? That thing was built in the early 90s. It's hard to keep up with the Joneses in a lot of cases. And I don't think this was not a case where, remember the scene in, in Major League where they're, they're, they're putting tape over the propeller on the team plane and Roger Dorn sitting there with a blindfold on because he doesn't know if he's going to make it? It's not like that. It's not like Cleveland Indians Major League kind of stuff. It's just hard to keep up with the Joneses. And they did do just a bunch of renovation on it. I, and I, I've i had the good fortune, Vinny, in my career. I've, I've covered the, the Bears. I've covered the Packers. I've covered the Dolphins. I've covered the Broncos. And I've covered the Cardinals. Varying degrees of facilities. But I, again, having been here for 15 years, I've never, I never walked into the Cardinals facility and thought, Oh, this is unacceptable. Mm. Oh, they can't. They can't. This has got to be torn down. I mean, get the wrecking ball. Never thought that once. But I will say, when you see an aerial view of the Vikings facility and the Cowboys facility and the Ravens and some of the Taj Mahals that have been built for these organizations, I could see how other players who have bounced around were like, okay, this is this is among the worst in the league. When you when you see what other teams have. But it's, you're right, though. It's not a dump. And, I, and Larry said, hey, listen, the facility never cost us a single win. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's Larry's base has nothing to do with, with our win-loss record. But remember, you know, to be fair, A.Q. Shipley came out on the record on this before the NFLPA report. So clearly it's out there. And maybe A.Q. had a little heads up that, that that survey had been conducted and those results were coming out. Who knows? All I know is, yeah, if you're judging yourself against the Cowboys, you're going to come up short. Unless it's in the standings. What do the Cowboys win? They have the nicest facility. I, I've toured their, their stadium and was blown away, and this was over a decade ago. And then they added the the star facility, which is supposed to be state-of-the-art. And remember the aerial shot and hard knock? They don't win anything. Does it lead to softer players? I, I mean, there's no, a, lot of, a lot of questions here. It's only a thing because it's become a thing. It has. And I, I think it's interesting. We've got a lot of fodder and conversation from it. So, but I I just, no, I, you wonder about the complete validity of it without, without you know, players being to me the char- guilty of spilling their feelings. To me, the charging of the food thing. That's, 
is, a, is, is more of a, like, come yeah. on, rather than, like, the facility. Never once am I watching the Cardinals play poorly on Sunday, said to myself, oh, the facilities! <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's the facilities! Yeah, you, are, you are correct there. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the big stories of the day, reboot style with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. You heard Tim Ring whistling along. He is amped up for the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I'm Sarah Cazell taking you through the top stories of the day with Vince Murata. Oh, I love him so much. Is that you talking to Tim Ring? No. We do love you, Tim Ring. That's how I feel when I see him filling in. Tim Ring is in for Dan Bickley today. Hello, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendous. And Jarek Carlin, of course, here as well. Hi, Sarah. Oh, yeah. It's weird when there are commercials that have your name and people are saying, hi, Sarah. Every time I'm like, hi, Sarah. Wow, Jared. Hi, Sarah. I was like, Jared's voice got really high there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had no idea you had that rain. <laughs> hi, Sarah. Commercial is. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get into the top stories of the day, starting with Kevin Durant. He's been out since March 8th, about two weeks now with his left ankle sprain. Um, on March 9th, the Suns announced that Durant would be reevaluated in three weeks. So we've got about 10 days until we hit that three-week mark exactly. Yesterday, the Athletics' Shams Charania shared the latest that he has heard about Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant's doing more and more on the court. I would expect more evaluations later this week. I think there will be potentially an update later this week and early next week when they reevaluate him and and see exactly how much progress he's made. But uh, definitely, there's optimism within the Suns that they're going to be cautious, uh, but they are hopeful that he's going to be back in lineup before the end of March, potentially early April. Uh, The goal was always here, you know, two to three weeks uh, in that range, but they're going to be cautious. They know the best time for him is playoff time, so get, making sure that he's 100% not rushing him back, I think that'll be a priority as well. Alright. Uh, hopefully he'll be back at the end of March or early April, says Sharania. Now, there have been some really confusing messages coming out of the Suns organization since KD suffered his ankle sprain. Um, I think it was last week that James Jones told AZ Central's Dwayne Rankin, oh, if it were the playoffs, oh, he'd totally be playing. Like, don't even worry about it. Him. He'd be um, hobbled, but he'd be out there. Right, but he's, yes, and yet we are, we don't know when we will see him again. So looking at the Suns' schedule, I believe it's 11 regular season games left. They've got the Lakers, the Kings, the Sixers, the Jazz, the Timberwolves all coming up. How many more games do you think the Suns can afford to play without Kevin Durant out there? Do you have a, a certain point on the schedule where you're like, I really would like to see him back by yeah, no. this day? <laughs> I, I'd like to see it now, but I don't. I, don't. I think it's Tied completely to the number of wins that they can rack up. If you can win games, you buy yourself some time. But mm-hmm. as Tim pointed out earlier, you know, you're not reaching for the panic button, but you're getting familiar with where it is. Yeah, just just putting your putting your arm out yeah. there. They're, They're half a game ahead of the Clippers right now. They have one of the more difficult eleven game stretches. The here. most difficult totally. remaining. The schedule. most yes. difficult. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I mean, guys, like just, twice. just look, look at look at 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 L.A. at Sacramento. Then the Sixers come to town on Saturday. If you don't win those games, 
Next up, you're you're at Utah on March 27th. If you lose those three games, I'm taping that ankle up and bracing it up and getting them back on the court. Mm. I, I just because you will have lost seven out of eight. Now, Vinny's right. If they can stack together some wins, you're buying yourself some time. Yeah. But if they lose games and continue to do so, you are going to start running out of time. The play-in's going to be an issue. And dare I say, missing the playoffs altogether mm. is then on the radar. And the problem with the eyeball test, too, is right now they don't look like a team that is currently capable of stacking together wins. Right. That's the nerve-wracking part. And yes. we will have John Bloom, uh, play-by-play voice for the Suns, joining us next after the Rush Hour reboot. So, of course, we will be talking more with him about that as well. Let's get to ASU men's basketball. The main headline on our homepage right now on ArizonaSports.com is this. Here's why Arizona State should extend Bobby Hurley's contract. He's got one year left on his current deal. Uh, the story runs through all that he has accomplished at ASU and how that compares to the previous eras in Tempe. So if you haven't read it yet, um, go ahead and do so. One month ago today, on February 21st, we had Bobby Hurley in studio for Newsmakers Week, and you guys asked about his future and if he expects that he will be around after this season. I'm not as much looking at, at my future as I am just trying to do the best I can for these kids and you know we had a packed house on senior days there's a lot of guys here that want to play in the NCAA tournament and and it's and it's going to be hinged on how we how we finish the next few weeks and that's all I'm thinking about and uh, I love it here I um, I've, I've said that my uh, I've had two kids go to ASU I feel like Arizona feels like home to me even though I'm from the east coast uh, I've built a life out here but uh, I, I can't say for sure you know what what the long term future for me looks like okay what do you guys think is most likely to happen bobby hurley is extended this off season he takes a job somewhere else this off season or he sticks around at asu without a new contract and coaches through the final year of his deal not that last i could tell you what should happen he should get a contract extension 23 wins this season, Tim, with a team that was built with a lot of transfers. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year, hey, Marcus Bagley is going to come back. And, oh, by the way, he's going to play two games for you uh, in non-conference early on, and you're not going to have him the rest of the year again. I would have said you were crazy that this would be an NCAA tournament team. But Bobby Hurley coached this team uh, to, uh, I think, an overachieving status this year. I think he's very much deserving of it. Is it likely? (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't know what's going through the head of Ray Anderson. And I honestly don't know what's going through the head of, of Bobby Hurley right now. He, there yeah. might be some interest. There's already been some some high-profile jobs filled, and that might take care of that issue. But there's no way Bobby Hurley should coach at ASU next year on a one-year contract. I think Bobby Hurley's being very, very genuine when he says he likes it here yes. and Scottsdale is home and he, he would like to be here. Uh, I don't think Bobby would open up publicly, certainly, that I don't think it's been a very smooth really? relationship with Ray Anderson no, since the sure. Bart Ware situation. Yeah, uh, nor should so, it be. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, so, but, but you know, do you want to continue working in a place where you don't get along with the AD or you don't think highly of the AD? And the AD, if you want to you know, really get into it. How much does the AD think of Bobby Hurley? Now, I, I wouldn't trust Ray Anderson's opinion on such matters. Not the guy that hired Herm Edwards. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now. Bobby Hurley, counting the COVID year, has coached four NCAA tournament teams in the last six years. He's recruited five-star talent to Tempe. He has won multiple times in Tucson. He has had that team ranked as high as number three in the country. He gives that program an identity as one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. Nationally, 
when people think of ASU, they think of Bobby Hurley. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't want to be the guy that says who who better can they get. But at last check, he's got the team in the NCAA tournament, and he's won a couple games. And I mean, I mean. Yes, he hasn't been to the second round. No. Bobby be the first to tell you that's probably disappointing eight years in. But we're also not talking about a school with a rich basketball tradition exactly. and history. Exactly. It's got to start somewhere. So when you start floating names like Byron Scott, it's a little disconcerting to me. So Why, there's because the- he wore that uniform 40 years ago? He's a candidate? I, I didn't get that. That's just me. That'll be Herm Edwards all over again. Yeah. Right? I mean, so there, there's precedent for the AD making a hire like that. Do you feel rebooted? I do. Rebooted? Yes, I do feel rebooted, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Thank you, Sarah. Let's think about it. Hello. <laughs> Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. If your bracket is busted, don't worry. You still got a shot at 500 bucks. Just text the word BUCKS to 620-620. We'll send you a link. Fill out your 16-team bracket. That's BUCKS to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sport Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Coming up next, we will talk Suns basketball with their play-by-play voice, John Bloom. That is straight ahead. Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata mornings. Pickley and Murata mornings continues on this Tuesday. Tim Ring sitting in for Bick. He'll be back tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, it's when the Suns visit the L.A. Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. The man who will be calling the action on the Suns radio network, John Bloom, joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Bloomer, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I don't know if anybody's told you guys this, but uh, Vince and Tim sounds kind of like a, a country uh, music duo. Am I off on that? <laughs> like, a, like a band or a, a, like a country music yeah. morning show? Yeah, either one. (laughs) Vince and Tim in the morning. Here on the boot. (laughs) We'll take it. Uh, W-H-A-T. I knew you had it in you. Yes. Uh, I want to ask you to start off, Bloomer, your perception, your thoughts on maybe the mindset of the Phoenix Suns right now. And I ask because of a, a few reasons. First and foremost, I think a difficult loss Sunday in Oklahoma City, a game that I feel like the Suns, even shorthanded, should have won. I ask because of Monty Williams coming out and you know casting doubt on his own ability to determine the, the rotation defensively or the subs that he needs to go to, and because of the officiating issue that won't go away. How, how do you think the, the, the Suns collectively are dealing with all this mentally? Well, I definitely think they're the best defense, uh, just as the broadcasters, the fans, uh, and certainly the coaching staff, as you've heard, have been tested, and it's nothing new. I think this just may be getting to uh, a breaking point for this group that is waiting for something. We all know what they're waiting for. That's to be whole. And it seems like all season they have been waiting to be whole. Now, it's looked different uh, uh, being whole uh, before they made the trade than it will when they get whole again. And hopefully that happens soon. But in the meantime, yeah, there's frustrations boiling over. It's frustrations about losing. It's frustrated more than they think they should be losing games. 
potentially losing ground as well. Amazingly, even though they haven't played great basketball in the last 10 games, they actually have stayed pretty steady in where they are in the standings and still have an opportunity ahead of them to, to lock up a home court advantage in the first round, which I think is, is a pretty solid spot to be for this team based on all the things that they've been through. But as far as the mental standpoint and what they're being tested with on the floor, with the whistle especially, and I've heard you guys talk about it, we certainly have talked about it our share on broadcasts. Uh, Tim's been a part of that. and You know, it, it's one of those deals that I think anybody who watches the Suns regularly has to see it. It's not uh, hard to see. Uh, and what we're talking about most, and I agree with Vince completely in this, is uh, the fact that it's not a consistent whistle, that we're seeing opponents come in and get respected in a different way than we're seeing Devin Booker get respected. And at this point, having seen all the basketball we've seen Devin Booker play in his career, now almost eight full years, we all understand that that is not fair. Now, is everything fair in life? No. <laughs> Most things aren't. And I think a lot of us is that too, but uh, you just get set up after a certain point. And I think that overwhelming feeling right now in that room is being fed up. Now, hopefully they can turn that into being focused, determined, and understanding that they have everything it takes to get where they want to. I do believe that still is the feeling that takes over if you really uncovered everything from everybody that's involved. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, it's going to take getting that winning feeling back, and that might take getting Kevin Durant back. Yeah, and until Durant comes back, Bloomer, and now that DA's back, you know, Vinny and I were talking about it earlier, you know, if you're going to be a top-heavy team, uh, you, you, you really need your entire top. Which leads me to the supporting cast, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about here. There's no question the Suns need more out of those guys, especially with Durant and, and DeAndre Ayton out. The supporting cast, Bloomer, can they, can they play better? Do they need to play better? Are they to blame or where do you toe the line on the fact that right now the, the Suns are asking more of the supporting cast than they can give, if you know what I'm saying? Like, where are you at with that? I think that, uh, first of all, Tim, I don't think I'm going to play the blame game. That's just never a thing that I enjoy doing. I mean, it's, it's tough in our position to do that because, you know, if you want to have a conversation with these guys and you're blaming them for, for uh, you know, playing poorly, I don't know if they're going to be as open to having that conversation yeah. with you. Now, does that mean I'm going to take everybody off the hook and not call it as I see it when the guys are struggling? No, of course not. And when guys are struggling, you have to go to another option. And that is what I think Monty Williams is trying to do, but it's tricky because you have guys who are expecting to play a certain role and maybe having to alter that role and have had to now do that two or three times throughout the course of a season, and that's not easy no matter who you are as a human being and no matter what job you have as that human being. So, I get that. Like, I, I understand it having watched it for so many years from just the standpoint of doing post-game shows and taking phone calls from fans, breaking it all down in that respect, and then certainly watching it as a fan and as a broadcaster and way back in the day trying to perform as an athlete, which uh, we're not even going to get into. It's not worth a second on the air. So uh, from a standpoint of this basketball team, I still think they have all the ingredients. Now, sometimes right now, the chef is having to use some funky mixtures of those ingredients, and they're not always tasting great. 
but they still have everything they need to do to put forth the best meal that could possibly be given by any team right now in basketball. I believe that. Now, there are teams in the East that people could certainly argue they're playing the best basketball right now. I don't know that any team in the West can match up with the way that a couple, specifically Milwaukee, even Philadelphia right now, are playing right now. But we all know this. It's not about how you're playing in March. It really isn't. And if it was, then the been champs. Uh, it's not about how you're playing in March. So mm-hmm. this team can get right at the end of March. That'd be great. If, if Kevin Durant can come back before the end of the month, and again, I don't have any information on that. Uh, if he can't, and it takes until the beginning of April, still they can get a few games together. That's my hope. I hope they can get a few games before the playoffs start. I think that's their hope, too. But all, everything has to kind of fall into place. Uh, and if it does, then I think we will be speaking a definite, different tone uh, and singing a different tune, if you will, about this basketball team. Bloomer uh, and John Bloom is our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Before we let you go, and and maybe it's impossible to do, and I was going to ask it this way, independently of the Kevin Durant return, whenever that may be, when you start to look at these standings and they're so bunched up and they have been, and you know Tim was was outlining, you know you, you lose three games in a row here, you're putting yourself in in some really rocky territory in the Western Conference. Is there a spot where you personally would start to feel antsy with or without Durant, where if if the Suns fell to X in the Western Conference where you'd start to feel pretty despondent about it? Seven. Yeah, Vince, it's got to be seven. I mean, I think they finished top six. They're in uh, for a full playoff series, you know, and, and so I feel good about that, that they can take a team out and that's the seven. But if they have to be in that playing game, even if they're seven or eight, it gives them two chances. I get it. You have to lose twice, but still, lose twice, you're done. Uh, no, thank you. I'm going to take a pass on that. I don't need to go through that with my anxiety, my heart rate, or any of that. Uh, and I don't think anybody close to me wants to be a part of that either. So, uh, let's skip that whole thing and finish top six. But I still think four is attainable. And I think four should be the goal at this point. I don't know that they have any chance to catch Memphis or Sacramento for two or three. And at, at one point I did when Kevin Durant was right. When this team was just yep. getting going with him, I thought, all right, two and three is possible. But now, Four is possible. Uh, is it probable? I have no idea. I will say this, though. The protection stone, all right, the turquoise. We love the City Edition uniforms here in the Valley. But they are not loving us back on the road. The team has yet to win those things on the road. They're 0-6 away from home. I want to throw out that everybody out there because maybe we could somehow, uh, you know, elicit the proper blessing from the 22 tribes that are recognized <laughs> okay. here in Arizona uh, and and get the protection stone working on the road if they wear them again on the road. I don't have the whole list ahead of me, but I was just noticing that the other day. I'm like, they got to win in those things. Everywhere we go, people are rocking those. It's amazing how well received yeah. they've been by fans all over the country. Good news. They're not wearing them tomorrow in L.A. I just scrambled to go to LockerVision.com real quick, Boomer. <laughs> Well played, Vince. Well played. That is why you're not a country music duo. (laughs) And that's the only reason. That's the only reason. Because we can really crank out it, too. I can really croon. Bloomer, always good to talk to you. Try your best to enjoy Los Angeles and bring back a win. Good good job, Bloomer. I will do that. You guys uh, be good. And uh, we'll see you Saturday with the Sixers and Joel company. Sounds good. John Bloom, play-by-play voice of the Suns, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we hit the 8 o'clock hour. Cardinals.
Can they win games with Colt McCoy slash David Blau at quarterback? We might find out in 2023. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.